Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed You were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. God is in the business of redeeming the seemingly unredeemable, forgiving the seemingly unforgivable. He is in the business of redemption, of bringing beauty out of ashes and making a new creation out of sinners. Joshua Broom, who spent years as an award-winning porn star, has been on the receiving end of that grace. And as a result, his life has changed. And God is using his powerful testimony for his glory and to save people's souls. You will hear all about that story and testimony today. We go all the way back to his childhood to today and how God has used his story in incredible ways. I'm so excited for you to be encouraged and empowered, emboldened by his story. This episode, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Now, without further ado, here is Joshua Broom. Joshua, thank you so much for joining us. I know a lot of people have heard your testimony, maybe on other podcasts, and you've been sharing God's story in your life for a while. But for those who aren't familiar, just tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. Yeah, so today I am the the founder of a nonprofit called Finding Hope, and that's something that my my wife and I, we operate. And I travel and, you know, essentially do itinerant preaching, but... Um, regarding my backstory, do you want me to go there as well? Yes, well, yeah. yes, we can. So okay. tell us, so you're um, a preacher now. Yeah. Like you said, an itinerant preacher. You're uh, traveling the country. You've been sharing your testimony. But um, several years ago, it would have been kind of unbelievable that this would have been your future and yeah. the role that God has for you. Why is that? Yeah. What, what is that that path that makes <laughs> yeah. it so unpredictable? Yeah, yeah, so I grew up in a super small town in South Carolina, um, Pageland, South Carolina. So we have the the honor and privilege of being the self-proclaimed watermelon capital of the world. <laughs> but mm, That's cool. I yeah. did not know that. <laughs> but um, 13, 14, I started modeling and acting. And growing up without a father played a significant role in that because someone who has a high-achieving personality paired with a high level of inadequacy, I believed that I needed to earn my validation. Mm. So with school, with sports, and then with modeling and acting, it became about getting the job, getting yeah. the role. And so you grew up without a dad. Did yeah. how, how did that happen? Yeah, so my mom had me when she was 16. Okay. And then being in a small town, it was, it was different than an, a lot of stories that I've heard because literally there's one grocery store. I'm seeing him as I get older, so he's living in close proximity oh, to wow. me, okay. and he's just not in my life, which was confusing and challenging at the same yes, time. Yes, I can imagine. So they still lived close by. Did they have any kind of relationship or friendship? Not, I mean, not really. I think it was one of those things where he he tried to reach out a few times, and then 
you know, I was I was living, you know, with my grandmother and and, mm. gran- and grandfather along with my mom, but you know, yeah. they're trying to protect her, protect me. Um, that you know that that guardian mentality where it's like you've hurt him already, um, and and I don't know, right. I don't, I don't know why it didn't happen, but I think like there was enough failed attempts where it just stopped happening. Yeah, and it was probably really confusing for you. Do you remember though, growing up, you said that you would maybe run into him at the grocery store. Yeah. I'm sure that was hard. Do you remember a longing to know him and want a relationship with him, or was it kind of just, well, this is how things are? Oh, for sure. Longing for. I mean, um, I grew up like kind of in a rural area. So the friends that I had in school like weren't in close proximity to me. So I found myself, you know, playing one on one basketball with an imaginary person, Mm. you know, playing football outside, like throwing the football into bushes, like wanting wanting that dad there. Yeah. Um, And, you know, my, my grandfather like was awesome and he took me fishing, but I never really had like like a male leadership, like any kind of like male leadership or role model in my life. And that was definitely something I longed for. And especially when my peers had that and I didn't. Yeah. And when you started, you said you started modeling when you were about 13. 13, yeah. So how did that happen? Was your mom just like, hey, you're handsome. Let's oh, try this no, out. It, it, or how did that How did that go? Yeah. So like way back in the day, you would just be walking through a mall and they were doing these like searches and then someone, her name was Donna. She like grabbed me. She was like, "Hey, um, you know, me and my mom. She's like, would you be interested in this?" And you know, we paid to do some like promo shots, and then um, you know, landed up like on her like roster, and okay. it just you know went to a convention or something like that, and then did some promo stuff and kind of took off from there. Okay, and then tell me about your story that. That's how you kind of got into yeah. the uh, in front of the camera industry. How did that develop over time? Yeah, so ended up studying theater for a while in college, and then um, was working, um, doing some modeling, uh, doing some acting, more modeling than acting. Even though I wanted to act more, um, but I thought, okay, if I put myself in closer proximity to the industry that I want to be in, it makes sense. If you know, if this is what I want to do with my life, so I ended up dropping out of school in like my second semester of my of my sophomore year in college and I moved to Hollywood. And while I was out there, like many people, it's like, okay, you know, you have an I got an agent and I started yeah. working a little bit, but it wasn't consistent enough where it was paying my bills. So like mm. everyone else, That's I hard. was, you know, found myself in a restaurant working, yeah. um, at bartending, uh, like waiting tables and whatnot. And while I'm there, there's a group of girls there and I'm gonna walk over there and, you know, use my Southern charm and maybe get a, a big tip or, or maybe yeah. their number or whatever. And very quickly they asked me like, Hey, are you interested in acting? And I was like, yeah, like, well, we're talking about pornography. And I was like, what? Is that the word yeah. they used? They use just pornography or I did they porn. use? Yeah. Okay. Just porn. I didn't know yeah. if there was like a euphemism that yeah. they kind of used to try to no, reel cl- people in. No, it was yeah. just like crystal clear. And they were like, Hey, um, the way this would work would be we would introduce you to our agent and you guys would have a conversation and it would go from there. And it was like kind of shock and awe because in a very real way that someone that might struggle with pornography today, it's like you probably don't really associate those people on that screen as a real person. Yeah. And in a very real way, these people are inviting me into their world. And it was like, these are real people. Yeah. 
And did you consider yourself a Christian at that point? Well, that's a great question. That's that's my favorite question to answer. But um, I would say yes. I, I would say yeah. I, I, I would have said that I was a Christian, but I absolutely was not. Yeah. You I know, mean, you the, were raised in the Bible Belt. Right. It was just kind of like, well, of course I'm a Christian because yeah. I live in South Carolina. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was just through acknowledgments. Like, is God real? Yes. Do I go to church? Yes. Did he create everything? Yes. And that's where it stopped. Yeah. I missed the access point. But in college, yeah. did you try to m- maintain that? I don't know if you would call it like religiosity as well. Had you stopped going to church at this point that you were in Hollywood? Yeah, I I, I, I pretty much stopped going to church. So I went to church with my grandparents. Um, but then my mom got married when I was like seven or eight. Oh, and okay. Was like so she very, did get remarried. Yeah, she got married. Uh, very toxic relationship, okay. drugs, so, abuse. Yeah, all not that. to bring us all the way back, yeah. but just to connect but the yeah, dots. So. That stepdad was not did not fulfill that father role that you were longing for growing up. Absolutely not. And that was a toxic situation. Was it an abusive situation very. for you and not for your mom? Just my mother. Yeah. Okay, so I'm sure that added to. The longing for safety and for security yeah. to belong to someone and also just the anxiety and trauma yeah. of one, not having your dad around, but also seeing the person who was taking care of you, your mom put into a place of danger. I'm sure that was hard. Yeah. It was like, it was like a three, it was like three, three, three and a half years of just a whirlwind. Yeah. Um, But. And so did that contribute then? So after modeling. You go to Hollywood. You mentioned in the beginning that you were always kind of just looking for success and yeah. looking for your place. Would you say that even that kind of um, traumatic situation with your stepdad and your upbringing contributed to that? Like, you need to get out the door. You need to do your own thing. You need to find your own way because the people at home aren't going to be the ones that are yeah. really able to care for you. I would say yes. And in a, in a very real way, it distorted my, the picture of like a father in mm. my head, which which interrupts you know the 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 correct way to see right. the father right you know okay so sorry for like going yeah, backwards yeah. <laughs> and but i'm i think it's important i just want to kind of understand everything that led to this moment right. where you are in hollywood pretty group of girls yeah. you're going over to talk to them and they say have you thought about porn yeah. and tell us a little bit more about your initial reaction was that something that you struggled with at the time or was it something that you just really hadn't even thought about yeah i mean definitely not like nothing i'd ever thought about ever um it actually only seen porn just a few times Mm -hmm. but i was living a very promiscuous lifestyle okay so that they say this and i'm like i I probably am not gonna do this but I'm intrigued and curious enough to to kind of see where this would go. Yeah. So I and you want you're desperate for money, right? right. At this point. Yeah, I would say more so like affirmation mm. because financially I was fine. Okay. Um, you know the like working I was working at this place like Saddle Ranch Chop House in in Middle West Hollywood. So I was I mean I was making good money. Yeah. Um, but it was it was more so like I I wanted to be feel like I was seen and known, mm. right? And um. Yeah, so I beat with the agent, and he's like, tell me about, like, how'd you grow up? What do you want to do? Why are you here? And it's like, grew up pretty much just me and my mom. Um, I, I want to be an actor, and I guess I want to be famous. And he's like, great. Um, everyone will know your name. You'll be famous. You'll make all this money. You'll travel the world. Um, so I hear a counterfeit version of the dream I actually had because I knew that I would have to compromise in some capacity to access those things that he said, because it, it like, I knew that it was wrong. 
I knew that I didn't want to like be a porn performer. I knew that I didn't want to do that. Yeah. But I heard the way he framed it and it made me think, well, maybe that's as close as I'll get. Yeah. Because at this point I'm 22 and it's crazy to look back and say this, but at 22 I felt like, gosh, I've already been doing this for almost eight years and I haven't made it yet. And then I'm in a circle of friends where, you know, they're doing stuff for Universal and, you know, and, and anyway, like people in my circle were having more success than me. And it made me feel like I was failing, even mm-hmm. though I, I wasn't. Right. And I hear this this picture that he painted, and it enticed me enough for me to say yes. All right, let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day. It's one of my absolute favorites, and it is naturally, it's clean. The reason I say it's one of my absolute favorites because is because I probably use this product the most out of any of the products that I advertise because I use it almost every single day. And not just every single day, but multiple times a day. Because if you are a mom of young children, you know how often you are having to clean your carpets, remove stains on clothes, clean the countertops, clean the floors, clean the furniture, all that good stuff. All the stuff that just comes with living and having children. If you're trying to keep your house clean, you need to try Naturally It's Clean. Now, here's why it's different than the other cleaners out there. They use these really powerful plant-based enzymes, like so powerful that they use this kind of stuff in, uh, in hospitals and in restaurants and things like that. But it doesn't reek of nasty chemicals because it is natural. These plant-based enzymes are so much safer for your kids and for your pets. They don't have those strong fragrances or anything like that. That's why I really like it. It's just one step that you can take towards a more toxic-free lifestyle. There are some things that we can't do or we're not willing to do, but this is a really, really easy switch. There's a lot of products that I'm really impressed with. One of the ones that I'm most impressed with is the carpet stain remover. I mean, I'm talking spilling coffee, jelly, whatever it is that gets on the carpet. This stuff really works. And it's not every day that you find a product that is both natural and safer for you and your family and also really effective. Uh, You can try my essentials kit. If you go to naturallyitsclean.com slash Allie, you'll see some of my favorite products there. You'll save an additional 15% for a limited time by visiting that link. So go to naturallyitsclean.com slash Allie for that discount. That's naturallyitsclean.com slash Allie. In your mind, did you think that it was possible that this job would be temporary and lead you to bigger and better things? Or did you just think, you know what, if it's my fate to be a porn star, that's just what I'm going to do for the money and fame? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like when I did that one, I thought like, okay, I'll do one. If it's terrible, I just won't do anymore. I I really didn't have any intention of like diving in and and becoming, you know, a, a performer or like that being a career in any capacity. I just thought I would do one and then What's the worst that could happen? Because mm-hmm. naively I thought, well, I'm just going to like grab a camera and go into this room and come out and then they're going to give me a check and then no one's going to know what happened. Yeah. But the that's not what happened. Yeah. So tell us about that. Tell us, go back a little bit to the conversation that you had with the agent. Right. He presents to you this counterfeit idea of what your future could be and how did you decide to agree what did that look like yeah i mean 
Uh, I think there were a lot of factors, like the fact that he was saying, you know, we'll we'll pick you up in a town car mm. and take you to this. So there's um, super interesting. Um, there's this lab that everyone gets tested at so they can control as many variables as possible. And to to be honest, like I've been very promiscuous since like I've never had any kind of like STD or AIDS testing. It's like probably wouldn't be a terrible idea to do this. So I do that. And then um, and then it's like the next thing is like, okay, you know, the test will come back. Once the test comes back and, it, and you're clear, um, you know, then we'll send a town car to pick you up and like making it sound like I'm important. Mm, okay. And, um, and, and then I just, I agreed to that. And then again, like I, I thought it was going to be like super low key, like, but I get to set and there's camera A, camera B, camera C, there's catering, there's BTS being shot, you know, there's, there's, there's all this stuff going on. And then in the back, there's BTS this behind the scenes, behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's this like, uh, this like small, like circle of like Kino flow, like lighting around this ottoman that this girl is on. And, like, and there's, you know, three or four like guys, like, like, you know, camera, boom, mics, um, you know, sea lights, like all this stuff. And I'm just like, this is not what I thought it would be. And it yeah. was like, it was almost as big as, you know, some of the sets that I'd been on. Yeah. And I was just, I felt like I'd gone too far. Mm-hmm. Once I got there, I felt like I'd gone too far. And it was almost like a, a kid at a sleepover where I was like, I got picked up in a town car. I did all these things. I signed this paperwork that I really didn't understand. Um, what am I going to do? Like call them and tell them to come pick me up. Yeah. So you felt at that point, it was past the point of no return. You're like, right. well, I'm here. And maybe you felt a little bit indebted to them because they had maybe, you know, paid money for the car and for the testing and stuff. And you're yeah. like, well, you know, you can, I'll just do it once and then you'll never do it again. Is right. that kind of what your mentality Yeah. Was? Like shame and guilt, you know, like shame and guilt just swarming, yeah. just, you know, swarming around in my head. Um, but yeah. And then there's, like this guy, like this PA comes up and he's like, hey, um, here's a Viagra. Take it if you want to take it. Don't if you don't. It's in your hand. It's yours. Um, if you've never taken it before, I would bite it in half. And so I go, he's like, we'll wow. need you in like 15, 20 minutes. And I go in the bathroom and I'm like looking at myself. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, don't yeah. do this. You shouldn't do this. So there's something in your head, even though you wouldn't oh, have considered yeah. yourself a Christian saying, Joshua, turn around and leave right now. Oh, it's not too late. But then the other side was like, nope, you're too, you're too far into this. You've yeah. got to stay. Wow. Yeah. Very, very much so where it's like the, the guilt and the shame almost trapped me and convinced me to continue to compromise. Mm. And, um, and that's what happened. So I did that. I did that one film and then very quickly after that, like, you know, this is 15, 16 years ago, like that, like the, when I did the first one and, um, and sorry to pause, but not, and not asking for graphic details, but like afterwards and as like, this is happening, I mean, what was, what was your thought process? Were you just like, after you decided, okay, you're going to go through with this, did you feel that, oh my gosh, what did I just do or what am I doing? Or did you just kind of try to push that out so you could get the job done? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was almost like when you, um, it was like a car accident where it was so intense and so traumatic that you're just, you're just there and you remember that it did happen, Yeah, but you can't like really remember the experience. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, it's like, 
you're it's like, okay, a 22 year old, you're going to take this erectile dysfunction medication. And then there's these, there's three cameras. There's, there's a light like underneath you. There's a boom mic right beside you. And then there's a director telling you exactly what to do. And in, in no way censored fashion is there intimacy there between two people. It's a director telling you to do something so that he can see it, which is very different than two people yeah. being intimate. Um, so it was just so weird that I just kind of zoned out yeah, and felt disgusting afterwards mm-hmm. and have this check. And on the memo of the check, it said you know, a very graphic, like what the title of the movie was. So it was like humiliated that I had done it, felt disgusting, had this check. And I was like, never going to do this again. Never going to do this again. But very quickly, like that, that scene goes viral um, back then it was like hundred thousand people see it and like that was viral. And, um, the representation that I have, like, that's obviously, you know, I'm violating code of conduct. So fired, um, very quickly through the great, Wait, you're violating code of conduct regarding like mainstream, oh. like mainstream representation. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Whereas like, we, we can't be associated with your likeness because you're doing pornography mm, okay so you very quickly kind of got pigeonholed into yeah this okay and then my mom finds out you know like i live in a really small town so one person tells one person what tells gotcha. another person and then i'm having this really awkward conversation with my mom yeah and, and what did she have to say she's mad <laughs> yeah. joshua luke like did you do like, this yeah what are you thinking and uh, my mom's tone never changed it was always i love you but you're so much better than that. Mm. Like, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. And just for me, um, it took a it took a long time for me to feel what I should have felt in that moment was, you know, my mom was 16 when she had me, and she worked 60, 70 hours a week to, you know, so that I could go to basketball camp, so that I could go to acting camp, so that I could get like, you know, new like comp cards and stuff like that. Um, so many sacrifices that she made for me that I essentially just. You know, yeah, blew up in flames, mm. and um, so like that shame and guilt. I could have had you know the resilience to say, okay, I made a mistake. Um, maybe these opportunities are not going to be possible, but absolutely had other options to do in my life. There, like, for me, like the it's kind of an anomaly where it's like never did drugs really. Um, like didn't need money. Like I, I was in the industry because I wanted to become famous. And then once I was in the industry, I felt trapped. So, you know, that one turned into like, you know, condemnation from, to myself, my mom finding out, me let, getting let go from that agency. And then- the- So I thought that the agency, that the girls who, I must be confused. The girls at the restaurant who said, do you want to do porn? I thought they introduced you to the agent who then led you to this pornography. Yeah. So I'm talking about two different agencies. Okay, yeah. Gotcha, I'm like, gotcha. So main, mainstream like modeling that and acting. They, they let you they go. Let and go. now you now, only have this guy yeah. who's like, well, let's do it again. Yeah. So, so he, he calls me and yeah. offers me a contract. So yeah. now like a, like the porn. Because he's, he's happy about the right. 100,000 views or whatever. Yeah. So they offered okay. me a contract. And I, and I honestly thought like, okay. Um, I, it, it would it would be dishonest if I if I said I truly felt like there was nothing else I could do, but it definitely was the easiest option. Yeah, and was um, it good money at the time? Like, did it seem like good money? I mean, it it it, it became really good money, but yeah. I mean, it was like I was working 
you know, I was, I was making like between like five and seven hundred dollars like yeah. per scene, and then I was doing like twenty to thirty scenes a month. Wow. So wow. And, then, and then you know that that rate got higher. Right. Um. But yeah, so that that one compromise led to six years of me being in the industry and me doing over a thousand films and the whole time it was just like compromise after compromise after compromise. And I yeah. believed along the way, well, um, if I'm going to like, whatever it is for good or for bad, it's like, I have to be, I have to be achieving I'm like very high achiever personality. So it's like, I have to be the best. So, and I have these, you know, these small goals where it's like, once I eclipse a million dollars, I'll be happy. I did that. It didn't work. Yeah. Like once I am nominated for X amount of awards, I did that. It didn't work. And it's like, okay, once I win like performer of the year, which is the highest award, like a guy can win in the industry. You know, essentially for me, it's like, admit you're the best. So I won that award. And when I won it, it destroyed me because it didn't give me the validation that I thought it would. Yeah. And that, you know, already struggling with depression, but that kind of spiraled out of control. And that mm -hmm. led to me like, being very certain that I was going to take my life. All right, let me tell you about Adele Natural Cosmetics. I absolutely love this company because I love the people that run this company and I love their products. I use their products just like Naturally It's Clean. I use their products every single day. Uh, this is an all-natural uh, makeup brand, but also uh, skincare in general. I use all their skincare products. I use their facial cleanser every night. I use their serum every morning. I use their moisturizer every night. Right now, my skin is super dry because it's wintertime or it is, has been really dry. And so I've also been adding their moisturizing spray underneath my moisturizer at night, sometimes also underneath my serum in the morning. And it's helped so much just keep my skin nice and dewy. I also love their foundation. I love their highlighter. I love their lipstick. Their packaging that they have right now for the holidays is super, super cute. You should check it out. If you go to adelnaturalcosmetics.com, and you enter promo code Allie for 25, you can get 25% off your first order. 25% off your first order, Adele, A-D-E-L, naturalcosmetics.com. Enter promo code Allie for that discount. Love this pro-life Christian company and truly love everything that they create. Go to adelnaturalcosmetics.com, code Allie. Tell us a little bit before we get to how you got out of the industry. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the industry because, I mean, the people listening to this podcast know yeah. the damaging effects of pornography. It's yeah. a Christian podcast, so we understand. But, you know, there's a lot of people out there that say there's nothing wrong with quote unquote ethical porn right. um, or as long as everyone is consenting, yeah. it's it's fine. What's the harm in it? There's no victims. Um, what did you find and what were some of the most disturbing and maybe shocking parts of the industry that people just don't know about but need to? Yeah. I, I mean, I think that like true consent is, is hard to give when we're talking about pornography because you know, maybe I consent to something at one time but I'm not really clear on what I'm giving consent to because when you go to set, you sign a contract that you know, you're know you signing away all rights to audio, video, any imagery, and you get paid a one-day rate. You get paid a day rate. Um, but you're not told what you're going to do. 
And sometimes you're not even told who, what you're going to, like who you're going to do it with. So you show up in, the, in this very vague scenario, just knowing that you're going to do something around sex. And more often than not, like there's a lot of compromise going on. There's a lot of like girls doing things they don't want to do. Um, you know, directors telling guys to be rougher than they want to be. Um, and, and then also just girls that are literally being trafficked and their traffic being there. And it's, and it's like, you didn't, didn't really like, it seemed normal at the time. It's like, well, this is just the guy that comes to set with this girl and then he takes her home. And then mm. for some reason, the check always goes to him mm. instead of to her. Yeah. But in a very real way, I mean, very often there's someone in some, in, in, in a lot of these girls lives that are manipulating them to a degree where they're doing this because they feel like they have to. Mm -hmm. And, and just, would you say it's worse for women and girls than it is for men in the industry? I mean, I don't know if there's a difference between like the exploitation and right. what's called like gay porn versus straight porn. I don't know if that's the right terminology, but like, yeah. would you say that there's equal exploitation and abuse happening between men and women or is it worse for girls? I, I would say it's worse for girls because the culture there, it's like, um, it's built on compromise where it, there's there's 30 people that I knew in the industry that have either died of suicide or overdose. Mm. And the trajectory of their, their life in the industry looked like this. They get in the industry and they have a no list. So a no list is things they don't want to do mm. and sometimes people they don't want to work with. And then the agent will you know monitor this girl's career and then once it plateaus and it starts to you know the phone's not ringing as much the the agent will go to different studios and say how much will you give me for this thing that you've not seen her do and then the agent takes the highest bidder and goes to the girl and says hey out of nowhere this studio is offering you $50,000 to do this thing i know you said you didn't want to do it but if you do it you'll be relevant again she does it, it mm -hmm. becomes arbitrary, and then now it's just something that she does. And then once all those no's are gone, there's escorting, and then there's um, feature dancing. So feature dancing is a girl's at a strip club, they have some notoriety, the, the club pays them a nominal fee to be there, but that only works if they have notoriety, so if they're popular. Right. And then escorting the same thing, where yeah. the agent will frame it, where it's like, it's basically a scene. They're going to get tested. They just happen to be this random person, and you're going to go spend a weekend in them. And and that and that happens with guys as well. But once that once that you know once the phone stops ringing, they've now like spent five, six, seven years living this life, saying like, "Well, if I compromise, I'll I'll become relevant again." And then when there's no more compromises left to to make. And the phone's not ringing anymore. In a very real way, your worth is tied to, well, me selling myself for sex is who I am. And that is all that I'm worth. Yeah. So what am I to do? And then sometimes it's either I want to die or let me start taking some type of drugs to medicate the pain mm -hmm. to make me feel better. And then overdose yeah. happens. So that, that literally happened to 30 people over the last 10 years I was in the industry with. Mm. And that's that was the trajectory that my life was on, yeah. where I'd compromised so often. I mean, uh, you know, we're 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 talking about. So let's just go here. Right? Um, so at the end of my career, I did 
um, for a six month period, I signed a contract with a with a gay, um, uh, like a gay like uh, studio. Mm -hmm. They paid me a massive fee mm -hmm. to do like to agree to do thirty films. And for me, someone who never had any kind of same sex attraction, any kind of like homosexual like interaction with people, for me, I'd sold myself for sex for so long that it it was all the same. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like, okay, it would be less painful for me to compromise my sexuality than it is to continue doing what I'm doing because I, I felt in a very real way, there's nothing else that I can do. Mm. There's no other value that I have for the world. So if I could make the same amount of money for three scenes a month that I could 30, that's gonna be much better on my mental and emotional health. And I was wrong. And, and was it, would you say it got even worse at that significantly. point? And I mean, why, why do you think that is? I mean, obviously, you, like you said, that you weren't same-sex attracted, yeah. but in your mind, you probably, I'm guessing at this point, didn't really have any moral qualms oh. with it. And as you said, you were doing fewer scenes than you were before. So why do you think that made it even worse for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it just this, like how just crazy it was because you have two guys that are that are like you're saying you're straight and you're doing this mm. and you're injecting yourself with a needle so that you could have a fictitious yeah. you know erection and it's and, and it's just so it's like so twisted wow. from like what is normal yeah. and it's like when you manipulate yourself to that point where it's just like I'm operating in a sense where it's like I'm okay being masochistic to myself because I Feel like that's how much I'm worth mm. um, and you have two people there doing that and just like the the level of how sad it was where it's like there's two people doing this thing that they don't want to do like and it's super unnatural and then like you're in they're like in between sets like you're yeah you're you're watching straight porn to try to like be able to to, to uh, finish perform, this scene. yeah um, even Gosh. with I mean it's just like it's so dark and so yeah. twisted and like and that just being a, a Tuesday for me. Mm. Like it, it started to get to me at a level that I I don't even know if I could under I could really like articulate like how like yeah. just disgusted I was with myself. Mm -hmm. Because I mean so so many people in the industry that maybe they're making a lot of money, maybe they're most the most popular person in that industry. But when you lay your head down on the pillow, it doesn't matter how many commas you have in your bank account or how many followers you have or if you have a blue check mark. Like you lay your head down on a pillow and you're selling yourself for sex and you know that that's probably always going to be on the internet. You're not proud of yourself. Mm -hmm. And yeah. even worse, there's a passion that's in your heart that God put there for you to do something that mm -hmm. not only glorifies him, but brings you joy. It yeah. brings you satisfaction. And that dream starts to dwindle because you think that you no longer have access to it. And what do you say to people that say, well, sex work is work. The work that you do as a so-called sex worker, whether it's prostitute or a yeah. porn star, it's no different than being an accountant. It's it's no different than doing anything else. And yet what you're describing is a yeah. different type of depression that I hear from people who you know, just don't like their job in a cubicle. Yeah. Um, what What do you think about that? That well, sex work is just like any other form of work. Why is it different? Yeah, I would I would just say like, hey, if you were if you're watching porn on your phone and someone walked behind you, what would you do? 
you would cover it up. Why? It's not, it's not something that's meant to be out in the open. So that person on the screen, think about how they feel. Think about how that person feels when that is their real life. So regardless of how you, what you communicate, like how you feel publicly, it's like, you, of course people say, like, this is great, this is my life, I love what I do, um, I'm, you know, I should be able to do this. The reality is how you feel inside is not what you're communicating. Because mm-hmm. you tell yourself a lie so long that you create a plausible reality based on that lie. Because yeah. you are your shame. You are your guilt. And you see life through the lens of that. Mm. And whenever people say, I always think when they say, oh, sex is just like any other act. It's yeah. no different. Sex work is it's just not. like. Right. And the, even the people who say that, I don't think really believe it. Because you say that. But at the same time, you know that rape is worse than someone coming up and punching you in the arm. Right. You know that sexual assault is worse than someone kicking you in the shins. Yeah. Why? Everyone knows that there is something sacred, there is something different yeah. about sex that is inextricably intertwined with your emotions, your spirituality, and your mental health in a way that someone punching you in the jaw just yeah. isn't. And so I just don't, I don't believe it when people say that, oh, well, sex work is work just like any other work. I mean, as we've just talked about with you, you didn't think you had moral qualms with it, and yet it was crushing your spirit, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it just progressively got worse and worse. And I'll paint another scenario for you where, um, so more often than not, you end up dating people in that industry. And I was sitting at a restaurant with, you know, a, a group of friends. And I'm sitting there with this girl that I'm dating. And then across from us are sitting another couple. All of us are in the industry. And I had worked with, had sex with his girlfriend that week. And he had had sex with my girlfriend that day. And being someone who, you know, from South Carolina, grew up, you know, 16-year-old. You know, my mom had me when she was 16. My mom loves telling the story of me, like, throwing a can of creamed corn at this guy, like, trying to talk to her in in a grocery store. Like, waking up like feeling jealous, like in a normal relationship. Yeah. Like the jealous boyfriend. Yeah. Now amplified, sitting at a table, knowing that this person that I, that says, well, that a person that is my friend, um, that he's having sex with this person that is my girlfriend, and I'm having sex with his girlfriend, and we're lying to ourselves in this relationship, saying that we're in a monogamous relationship. So it's like your reality is so distorted. How can it not be mentally and emotionally traumatizing? Mm -hmm. How can it not lead to depression? How can it not lead to suicide? When you try to pretend like something that's so painful and actually so masochistic Mm -hmm. isn't, like the pain is real regardless if you identify it or communicate it or not. And then, you know, there's only, you know, a, a matter of time before something happens. All right, another one of my favorite sponsors. And I only say that when I mean it. But today is just like filled with some of my favorite ads to talk about. This one is Carly Jean Los Angeles. If you follow me on Instagram, you know I'm always posting about them because when I buy their clothes, I am so excited because I really do just feel good. I feel good in everything I wear from Carly Jean. These jeans that I'm wearing right now, if you can see them in the wide shot, are from Carly Jean and they go with everything and they're just really flattering. Look, after two kids, I don't look and feel the same way that I did 
before them. And so sometimes it can be hard to find jeans and to find clothes that you really feel good in as your body changes. And that's what I really just love about Carly Jean Los Angeles. They have clothes that can fit you in every season of life, every season of the year, whether you're pregnant, postpartum, not pregnant at all. You can often wear the same clothes in all of those seasons and they really do look good. It's so versatile. Plus Carly Jean, she's a Christian herself. And so I feel really good about supporting this company and their clothes really just adorable and so flattering. Go to CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. Use promo code AllieB. You'll save 20% off, excluding final sale items, always free shipping over $100. Go to CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. Use promo code AllieB for 20% off. CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. And so tell us what that was. What kind of, what was your breaking point? Yeah, so I I had done uh, I had done a scene, and then I I was just was like I'm just done I'm done and and this was still when you were doing gay yeah porn yeah okay and I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna take my life and I thought about it several times but mm-hmm. I'd made a specific plan how long had you been suicidal how long had you been suicidal at this I would point? say probably two years oh okay um, long but it time. just it it went from something I considered to something that I felt like I wanted to do to something that I was planning to do. So probably like pretty much from the first time that I did um, the first like gay movie, like that was like when I was like, okay, my life is over. Um, so I, I do this movie and I'm like, okay, when I get home, I'm going to do this. And I was actually in, I filmed in Atlanta and I was flying back from Atlanta and I was just thinking about this on the, on the way home land in LAX, get my bags. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go, for some reason, it made sense to me. I'm going to go deposit this check and then I'm going to I'm going to take care of that. I'm not sure why I thought I needed to deposit the check, but that's what I had planned on doing. And normally I would go to like ATM or Dropbox because I didn't want to look someone in the eye and slide the, a check across the counter with something on the memo that said something that yeah, I was humiliated profane, by. Yeah. And, but this, this day... That wasn't an option. ATM broken, bo- Dropbox closed, so I had to face the music. And I walk over to the counter. I'm like, "Who cares? I'm going to die today anyway." Slide the check across the counter, and you know, transaction happens. Hands me the receipt, and I go to walk out. And the person looks me in the eye, says, "Joshua, are you okay?" Wow. Joshua, is there something I can do for you? And I just bolt. And Allie, what was so important about that? You just that, ran away. Yeah. When he said that, you didn't even try right. to respond. Wow. Yeah. But mm. what was so heavy about that was there was about an 18-month period, uh, maybe closer to like a year to the, somewhere, somewhere between a year and 18 months, where I hadn't heard my real name. Because as you, know, you, wow. ha- as you have in your life, it's like if someone who cares about you, they're not going to allow you to continue doing something that's harmful to yourself so my mom would say i love you but why are you doing that you need to stop doing that like this is not who you are like Mm -hmm. i raised you better than this you know Mm -hmm. you're better than this so you have two choices when you have people like that in your life you can either listen to them or push them away Mm -hmm. so i pushed everyone away so Mm -hmm. the only name that i was hearing was a pseudonym and then when i heard my real name it broke me out of this like numbness yeah and i literally like ran home and who knows why that person decided to right. look you in the eye and say 
your name, something, and I always think about this, whenever I hear people's testimonies, there is always a moment where God puts someone in someone's life and they do something that seems small and commonplace. I talked to someone who used to be an atheist and he was on campus and a campus ministry had put some books on a table to pick up and it was C.S. Lewis that ended up, you know, leading him to Christ. And the person who put the book there, they probably didn't even think of it. They probably weren't even thinking of it. The person who said your name and looked you in the eye and simply asked if you were okay, you just don't know how God is going to use someone's very commonplace action or your own words to then change their lives. So continue, continue on that. You ran away and then what happened? Yeah, I mean, I ran away and called my mom. And it's like, we have this, um, you know, this very emotional, um, I, I thought that she was going to be mad at me, but she wasn't. And she was just like, just come home. So I pick up the phone. So I, prodigal son type yeah. situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like I, I wish it was more Luke 15, but you know, when I, when I called home, it was like, come home. But I, I did, and I, I quit the, I quit the industry that day, picked up the phone, called my agent, put out a PR re- like press release. Um, did all these things and and left, but also try, instead of dealing with the pain and the reality of of the of the mess that I'd made with my life, I covered up my tattoos, I deleted my social media, and I got a job at a gym, hoping that it would just go away. But the reality was, especially back then, where there was like Skinamax and like late night like late night HBO, and I was like on all these movies. Mm-hmm. So between that and me just winning this like performer of the year award, like in, pretty pretty recent to that, it's, like very relevant. So everywhere I went, it's like, aren't you that guy? Really? And just couldn't get away from it. So mm-hmm. I spent, but I spent two years living like that, like lying until I got found out. I would lie and make up things, and then I'll get found out. And that went on for about two years. And then in spite of that, working at the gym, it's like, okay, if I'm here, I'm going to do whatever needs to be done. I'm going to become the best trainer I can and work my way up to management. And while I'm there, there's this girl that I had my eye on for a while. And I was like, I'm I'm going to ask her out on a date. And I asked her on a date and she says, no, I was like, well, gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Um, she's like, different. yeah, yeah. And I, and I like immediately fell in love, you know, yeah. but, um, but then later she was like, you know, we can go for a run. I'll give you that. We can go for a run. And it may, maybe she had heard like something, you know, bad reputation, like not exactly what, but, um, she agreed to go on a run with me and every person that I tried to have a relationship with, I would withhold the truth from because I yeah. thought for sure, once I told them, they were like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, so with her, I'm waiting on her to get to this park and we're going to go for a run and just feel really guilty. I'm just like, I just can't lie to this person. Like she doesn't deserve to be hurt. She doesn't, she doesn't, she like, she doesn't need to deal with my mess. So I'm just going to tell her and I'll leave and it'll be done. So we get there to, to run, but we never ran and we just started walking and I was like, Hey, um, I just want to tell you something. I've done a little bit of porn. She's like, what? I was like, all right, man up, tell the full truth. And then. So you wanted to tell her right away, not even wait until yeah, y'all got into oh, a yeah, relationship. I'm like in my head for like 10 minutes. Like, like, yeah. Because like every person I met, it was like I was looking over my shoulder just waiting to get found out. Yeah. Because I was just one Google search away from like knowing everything I didn't want them to know. And um, 
so I just, I told her that. And then I was like, okay, tell her the truth. And I told her everything. And then she's just kind of like blank stare, like. So you were not a Christian at this point. You no. hadn't had, okay. Yeah. And then, you know, she, she's just like looking at me like, I can't believe you just said that. And then she kind of like takes a second, processes, and then she looks me in the eye and says, I want you to know that I believe that a person's not defined by the worst thing they've ever done. And I don't believe that a person is defined by the greatest thing they'll ever accomplish. I believe that God defines who a person is. Do you know who God is? And I was like, yeah, you know, like for me, (laughs) but for me, it was like, I I was so used to putting on this like first date mask, Mm -hmm. right? Where it's like, I don't know who I am. I'm just going to be whoever you want me to be. Mm. And I, I tried that and she cut right through it where she's like, okay, well, what's your relationship with Jesus look like? Are you plugged in community? I'm like, okay, you're speaking like another language. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. You realize that you weren't going to be able to be a character yeah. for her. Yeah. And then I'm just like, you know, just surrendered to, I'm like, okay, I, I don't, maybe, maybe no, I don't know. And she's like, well, I became a Christian when I was in seventh grade. My mom, dad, brother, sister, all Christians. And it's the most important thing in my life. And by no means am I perfect but it is the basis in which I make decisions. Um, but anyway, what, you know, what do you want to do with your life? What are your, what are your goals? What are your aspirations? What, what kind of food do you like? And I'm just like, what? You don't want me to leave? And um, we just have this like really great conversation. And then we text all week. And then we end up, you know, she, in, she invites me to go to church. So not where she normally went to church, but where a lot of people that um, were at the gym that we, that we were at, go to church like would you like to go to this church and I was like sure you've cultivated this curiosity in me so sure and we go and I'm expecting what I remember church to be like where it's like a three-piece suit and if you got a wrinkle in your shirt you're going to hell you know like um, no tattoos no um, but I go there and there's this guy in a t-shirt and jeans and boots in Raleigh North Carolina and he's talking about Jesus like he's his friend and his relationship with Jesus changed his life and Mm. he wants everyone to know him and he starts telling the story in 1 Samuel about Mephibosheth and how Mephibosheth was the last remaining member of Jonathan's family and David when he took over um, historically that previous kingdom was wiped out because they didn't want anyone to think they had access to that new kingdom. But David was different. So he went, you know, he sent his guard to search for Mephibosheth. And when he found him, not only did he invite him into his kingdom, he restored his land. And and then he pivoted where it's like, hey, um, God wants to meet you in the place where you are expecting death. Because Romans 3.23 says that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. So if we're all guilty and we're all impending death, what are we to do? Jesus lays down his life. He is the bridge that we need to access God because we're separated from him. And he did that not because you're good enough. He did that because he loves you. Mm. And the Holy Spirit did something in me, and I gave my life to Christ. And, and that person that I had that conversation with, uh, that, that walk turned into a, that's my wife. You know, So yeah. we've been married for six years, and we have three kids. But like the, the pivot from that has been um, like God— repurposing my story and redeeming me and essentially like very like Genesis 50 20 where God's repurposed my influence and redeemed me and allowed me to have a a very unique voice Mm -hmm. speaking into the darks the darkness and the depth of of pornography do you struggle with um, the memories and 
the visuals of what you experienced for so long? Like how has God worked that out in your heart and mind? Yeah, so that's a great question. So for me, um, like the memories, like praise God, like that was something that in a, in a miracle in that moment, like I was having night terrors for two, like two yeah. years. Uh, when I gave my life to Christ, that was the last time that I had any nightmares and the last time that I could really remember like vi- vivid details. But the what still existed was like a, a poor like understanding of who I was. I'm not a great um, understanding of, of who God is, who people are, um, the way that I appropriate myself into the world, like thought patterns, habits. Um, so, so essentially like those things and the mental and emotional trauma that was still there, like those things had to be dealt with over time. Mm-hmm. And for your wife, I mean, obviously she sounds like because of the grace of God, she understands uh, forgiveness yeah. and becoming a new creation. But was it something that you still had to kind of work through as first a dating couple and then an engaged couple? Because obviously going from having sex with multiple partners yeah. to being in a monogamous marriage where sex is a symbol of a, a covenant of, yeah. you know, before God between two people. Yeah. You went from the counterfeit version of yeah. love and intimacy to the real version. Like, what was that journey kind of like for both of you? I'm sure it had, there was a lot to work on and work through and talk through. Yeah, for me, what I found when I was sitting in a room with her, when like, okay, um, I, I want to follow Jesus. She's passionate about following Jesus. And then individually and collectively, we committed to pursuing purity and also pursuing Jesus. So for me, like her relationship with me was important, but the same week that I gave my life to Christ, I walked into the church that, that you know, that church there and I'm like, hey, um, can I talk to a pastor? And I tell him my story and he plugs me into um, this, this meeting with um, this guy, Andrew, his name's Andrew Yates. And he had recently graduated from DTS and he had moved to Raleigh to help launch another campus at this church. And he was supposed to spend 30 minutes with me, just basic, you know, observation, interpretation, application. Like, this is how you read the Bible, understanding context. And that 30 minutes turned into three hours, and that three hours turned into 15 to 20 hours a week for five years. So he discipled me. Um, and what it allowed me to understand was I, I could only be as free as I was willing to be honest. And through, like, like some encouragement, but a lot of kicking in the butt, right? Mm -hmm. Because I had people applauding me for the wrong reasons for so long, but I didn't have anyone being honest with me. But if they were, I pushed them out of my life. Right. So like, yes, like there were definitely like challenges where, you know, we're, we're sitting in a room together, having a conversation. It's like, I don't know what to do because we're not going to have sex. You know, like that was a real thing. But like, finding out who I was in Christ allowed mm-hmm. me to see her differently yeah. and then us walking together and, you know, doing, you know, like doing like, you know, we were both in a small group and then we we're in a couple small group. And then we, you know, once we got engaged, we did premarital counseling. And um, for me, like, it was really important to like, as I was understanding myself, it's like, you don't love people best. Like this is good marriage advice. <laughs> you don't, you can't love someone the way that you want to be loved always. Because my wife, she loves quality time where I, you know, I desire like words of affirmation and things like that. So for for her, I could give her everything in the world, take her to wherever I want to take her, buy her all these things. And she doesn't feel loved unless she has my undivided attention. 
She wants my phone facing down or in yeah. my pocket. I not like not at a restaurant, just me yeah. engaged with her, and that's it. Like that's how she feels loved. And and I didn't know how to do that, and I didn't understand that. But I loved her enough to figure it out. Mm. Um, yeah. So I think like that that was part of the process. And also, I did about two years of counseling where just having just honest, open, transparent conversations. Just um, I think that. I am where I am today, and I, I wouldn't be as far along as I am in my life, in my career, and in my walk with Jesus if I wouldn't have done the hard work to kind of dig into the wounds. Because as I was healing, I actually found out like, oh, there's there's this issue over here, and there's this issue over here, and dealt with all those things, and having the opportunity to connect with mentors and, and doing different things it allowed me to, to to find healing in places that I didn't even know I needed. Yeah, yeah. And now you are the father of three little ones. Yeah. Um, and you are the dad that you always wanted, but yeah. you didn't have growing up. How is your story, your past, your experience, not just in the porn industry, but even growing up without a dad and wanting that, how has that all shaped how you approach family and parenting? Yeah, it's hard to tell a story without crying. It's okay. <laughs> but um, so when our first son was born, we, we named him Canon. So Canon in Hebrew means measuring stick. So for me, um, he was the, the measure of God's grace because I didn't experience having a father. And I didn't even see it, you know, modeled. So how could I be something I've never seen or experienced? And um, just was overwhelmed with his grace to allow me to, to, to be a dad. And he's born, and you know he's all slimy, and they're wiping him off. And I walk over there, and then you know one of the nurses is like, "You can touch him," and I re, <laughs> I I reach my hand out, and he grabs my finger, and like in a really real way, I felt God say, "I love you more than that," and it's like realizing that. I've always had the father that I desired to have and that I just didn't know I had access to him. Mm. And I mean, just me, just me like understanding how to be a son to the father allowed me to be a father to my sons. Yes. It's really amazing what parenting teaches you about how much God loves us both in the sense that we are his children, yeah, but also in the sense that, wow, how much did he have to love us to send his yeah. son to die for us? As much as we love our children, can you imagine sacrificing yeah. your child on behalf of right. someone or something else? You would have to be motivated by so much love in order yeah. to do that. And so there's just a whole level yeah. of, of gospel, a whole new yeah. level of understanding yeah. God's love that happens through parenting. And so I love that he has used that as uh, another phase of just yeah. redemption and sanctification for you. Yeah, it's, it's almost like you you understand the tone of God. So when you see like John 14, 15, like if you love me, you obey my commandments. It's not if you love me, you'll do what I say. Yeah. If you, lo- if you love me, you'll trust what I say mm-hmm. is best. All right, last sponsor for the day. It's a good one. It is Healthy Cell. It's the next generation of dietary supplements. They come in a micro gel form. And the reason it comes in micro gel rather than a 
in a traditional tablet or capsule is because this allows your body to absorb all of the nutrients that you're hoping to get from your multivitamin. If you've been taking the traditional capsules or tablets, you're probably not actually getting what you are hoping to get from that multivitamin because very often the fillers and the things that are used in those tablets are not good for your body. They can actually irritate the lining of your esophagus, make it really difficult for your body to absorb those vitamins. But this microgel Uh, allows for 165% more absorption than pills. I've been taking, they have all different kinds. I've been taking the um, immunity one in the morning, and I think that that's really helped. We have been sicker, I don't know about y'all, but we have been sicker than usual uh, this this season, just with colds and even a stomach bug and things like that. But thankfully, it, uh, like the colds, they have not lasted very long at all. Even when I thought that I was getting the flu, I was like, I got to take my healthy cell. And I really, really think it helps. My mom has been taking the focus one and she swears by it. She says that it's really helped her just like cognitive sharpness and her memory. And so we are fans of healthy cell in our household. Go to healthycell.com slash Allie. That's healthy, C-E-L-L.com slash Allie and use code Allie for 20% off your first order. That's healthycell.com slash Allie code Allie for 20% off your first order. Healthycell.com slash Allie. And I just love your testimony because it's a reminder that God brings people from the uttermost places, from the darkest crevices from the seemingly hopeless spots and he makes them new and he can do that with anyone. Yeah. Tell me a, a little bit about um, the impact of your testimony. That's what you do. You go around and you yeah. share your story. You are using what Satan meant for evil yeah. um, for good. And yeah. that's what God does. Yeah. He brings beauty from ashes. That's yeah. maybe my favorite characteristic of God. Yeah. Um, have you had interactions and conversations with people who have said, wow, God used your testimony to change my life and to open my eyes? Yeah, I mean, humbly, thousands um and it's it's just that and real like seeing god reposition me and use my testimony to have influence in places where seeing things happen like i i have the opportunity to speak at capitol hill and be part of a symposium with this legislation that has now made its way to the senate which is the lee bill and this this like earned act it's going to provide actual age verification. It's going to provide like real consent. And just, you know, right now anyone can hop on a, a site and put in a fake birthday. But the moment that you have to provide legitimate age verification through an, a driver's license or a passport, like sure it's encrypted data, but there's something very real about putting your, mm-hmm. your driver's license number there. So my hope is that A, um, that will protect children because you know yes. average age of exposure is 11 years old. You mm-hmm. know, um, and then people who expose who are exposed under 15, 61 percent of the time is accidental exposure because it's you don't have to go looking for it. Yeah, it's so prevalent. It's on social media. Yeah, it's everywhere. 
Um, so and Pornhub did just get removed from Instagram, yeah. which I know that's not the only hub for pornography, but I see that as a big it's victory. It's a huge win. It's a huge win. And, and it also it's a display of the darknesses there because you're saying, okay, how harmful can this be? Well, there's there's 600 incidents of child pornography being on Pornhub. There's mm-hmm. there's astronomical cases of people that are really being raped. Like I was in D.C. with someone and they were telling their story where they were in Vegas on a trip with someone they were dating. They were drugged. They were raped. They invited someone else over there. They raped her and they filmed all this and they put this up on Pornhub and it was monetized for three years. She ends up pressing charges, wins her case, rape, sex trafficking, and these images still exist on Google because Google says because her face isn't clearly identifiable and there's not clear coercion happening, then we're not going to take it down. So that's the evil that we're up against. So the fact that... I can play These are a, the same companies yeah. too that want to chastise the public for not being, you know, not being compassionate enough or empathetic enough or social justice enough, oh, and they use that as kind of their virtue signal. Meanwhile, they are complicit in yeah. at best the sexual abuse of adults and children. Yeah, I mean, it's in a very real way because I mean, again, like maybe people don't realize this but like when you're watching pornography you're contributing to sex trafficking you're mm-hmm. contributing to rape being on the internet that's being monetized because it's exactly that it's is the the porn industry no one's paying for porn it works the same as youtube your youtube channel or your facebook it gets monetized through viewership and ads so that's why like Pornhub coming off of Instagram is important. That's why like MasterCard and Visa stopping their engagements with Pornhub because the ads can't be purchased anymore. So like getting in their pockets is, you know, that's going to wake them up because they're obviously they don't care about morality. They don't care about children. They don't care about anyone but themselves. So through viewership, you are in a very real way contributing to people being harmed. Yeah, and that's why there's no such thing as so-called ethical porn. Of course, from a Christian perspective, because, I mean, the entirety of the Bible kind of speaks to the importance of the body and being made in the image of God. But also, we as Christians, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, the body is the dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. God made flesh, Jesus, he came in bodily form. He resurrected in bodily form. We will also be resurrected in bodily form. That's how much God cares about the body. Yeah, 100%. Um, And so Christians have have a motivation and a vigor behind our protection of the vulnerable, but also the protection of sex, the protection of the body in a way that um, others don't because we're motivated by the belief that we are made in God's image and the gospel itself. And yeah. so I'm thankful for you and how you're using that motivation, how God, of course, is using you yeah. and how he has worked through you. Um, again, using what Satan meant for evil, yeah. for good, to bring himself glory. And that's really what it's about. So yeah. thank you so much. Yeah. How can people uh, support you, follow you? Yeah, so th- there's this really really amazing project that I'm in the middle of working on. So it's called Unmentionable. So it'll it'll function like a podcast, but it's really an eight-part documentary. And we went to Hollywood and, and filmed some content of me being in places that I hadn't been in over a decade. Um, I had the opportunity to do a chapel service for the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, went back to South Carolina, went to Florence, went to some places. And we're just really painting a picture of um, 
how dark the industry is. We've, we've interviewed a lot of people that have been in the industry, uh, been in sex work, but also some of the people that was in my life as I was making compromise after compromise. Like, why did you, why did you say yes? You know, what, like getting to the root of things. So there's this podcast called Unmentionable, and you can find that on my website, which is joshuabroom.me. And then um, like that, that's like the big thing. And then also yeah. the, the legislation. The legislation's huge. Yes, yes, I agree. I mean, I'm, I know that this is probably controversial. I'm not asking you to co-sign this. I think that pornography should be illegal. I yeah. don't think that there is any good case to say that it is free yeah. speech. Not all, yeah. I mean, obscenity shouldn't be shouldn't be protected yeah. by the First Amendment. That's my opinion, but I, I know I, some people don't go that far. Yeah, I, I, would, I would say I completely agree with you. And what that would allow me to do is to go into court and say, hey, I want those images taken down because I'm there's, there's things yeah. that I agreed to do for $700 15 years ago that have been, that have, someone has made $2 million off of. And it's like, no, you, I, I don't want to continue to have my consent. You can't yeah. have my consent. Not only that, it's it's hurting me. It's hurting my family. Yeah. You know, so it's like I, I like that's I love that there's legislation that that's in process. Yes. That's going to have like that's going to have consent, have a timetable. Yeah. Where I could should be able to go and say, hey, um, that's obscene. I don't want that there. All Please pornography is obscene, yeah. by the way. Yeah. But it, I mean, already, obviously, child sex abuse material is illegal. And yeah. yet, the fact that pornography is not only legal, but so accessible. And as we know, very often, consuming one kind of pornography typically oh, a, leads yeah, to even gateway. worse kind yeah. of pornography, like child sex abuse, and they access that. And so if you made it just as difficult as possible to access any kind of sex abuse or pornography, especially when you're talking about the women who they were raped, they yeah. were sexually assaulted, and people yeah. were making millions of dollars off of that, and Google yeah. will do nothing about it. At some point, even as you know, a limited government conservative, the law law has to step in right the law steps in so that's my opinion yeah but. <laughs> yeah and, it's, and, it's, and like that's and things like that so i i have a podcast called counterfeit culture and it's kind of around that idea of like romans 12 too it's like we're either being conformed by the world or we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind yeah and then like that's the that's the what and the how is second corinthians 10 5 it's like we have to take every thought captive and make it obedient to christ yeah so it's like if we don't know what is good and what is evil that line is going to be you know blurred and i i love um I, I could keep going, but like I, like John Brevere's book, Killing Kryptonite, was was the catalyst for a lot of the things that I've done. But there's mm. this the 18th chapter of that book. He talks about this essentially this like phony Jesus, where um, I could, if if I call myself a Christian and I do X, Y, and Z, it justifies me to do ever whatever I want, and I can live however I want, and I can have whatever relationship that I want, I can compromise however I want. Because if I say one thing, it justifies everything else. Mm. But that's not how the gospel works. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, lay down your life. Yep. Lay yep. down your life. Mm, I think that's a good place to end, although I think that we probably could yeah. talk for an yeah. hour more. So thank you again just for using your testimony and using God's story in you. I really appreciate it. And I encourage everyone to follow him and support the projects that he is working on and also to get in the know about legislation. We often say politics matter because policy matters because people matter. Politics yeah. affects policy. Policy affects people. So the laws matter. The people that we vote for matters. So thank yeah. you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Absolutely. Glad to be here. 